You're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, and this episode is brought to you by Siemens Healthineers. Here's your host, Dr. Turk. Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to discuss how we can better recognize non-alcoholic steatohepatitis is Dr. Kenneth Cousy, who's the chief of the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism in the Department of Medicine at the University of Florida. Dr. Cousy, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me today. So let's just dive right in, Dr. Cousy. Would you tell us about the prevalence and burden of non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? Sure. This is a really hot topic, as they say, in terms because it's affecting every healthcare provider out there. It is the most common chronic liver condition worldwide, very closely associated with increasing rates of obesity and type 2 diabetes. And we need to do something today because it's becoming the number one cause of liver transplantation beyond hepatitis C. And there's no end in sight. So in general, with the numbers vary because the only way to be completely sure is doing a liver biopsy, and we can do a liver biopsy in millions of people. But people think that about between 14% or more of the population may have this. But more importantly, for clinicians, there are very high-risk groups that they should be aware of that need to be screened in the clinic and need to be treated before they develop cirrhosis. So you mentioned some high-risk groups of patients. What are those groups? Well, there are three groups that have been identified. And in the last year and a half, We've had two major efforts, one led by the American Gastroenterological Association with support from the American Diabetes Association, the Endocrine Society, the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists and Primary Care Groups, and others, where we identified three groups, people with diabetes, people with obesity, and those with elevated liver enzymes or steatosis. Just a month ago, the, I also spearhead another effort with the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists where we fine-tune these groups. Again, those with pre-diabetes or diabetes, and when we talk about diabetes, we're talking about type 2 diabetes, obesity, but not just obesity. You have to have obesity and metabolic syndrome. And number three, if you have steatosis, it means fat in the liver on any imaging or elevated liver enzymes. Now, traditionally... Elevated liver enzymes are those with a level of 40 or above in your alanine aminotransferase, ALT. But now we know that above 30 is associated with increased mortality. So for everybody, above 30 is a risk factor for fatty liver disease. I'd like to ask a little bit more about some of those groups you mentioned. Why are patients with type 2 diabetes at risk of non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? Well, that's a great question. We think that this is the group with the highest risk. So again, the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists or ACE, and I think ADA next year, and also the Liver Society, the American Association of Study of Liver Disease, are going to propose if you have diabetes to be screened for NASH. Why? That's your very important question. Because in most studies, they have shown to have the highest risk of fatty liver disease, about 70%. Studies by us and by others have shown that if you take 10 people with type 2 diabetes, just going for the regular visit to the doctor, seven have 
fatty liver. And as many as one in five have advanced fibrosis. So this is a very shocking number that we found. And in the same way that we screen with a urine test for kidney complications in diabetes, we're going to be screening with the FIB4, all patients with type 2 diabetes to risk stratify for the chance of developing cirrhosis down the line. So this is going to be a big change, but I think it's going to be very important to prevent cirrhosis in the group with the highest risk, as all studies show that people with type 2 diabetes have more NASH, more of the steatohepatitis, the inflammation, and more of this scarring of the liver, the fibrosis that leads to cirrhosis. And what about obesity? How are patients with obesity at a higher risk of developing non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? Another important question. Obesity promotes the development of fatty liver and of NASH by a number of mechanisms. But the most important to consider is that when we gain weight, that fat is um, very harmful because in the end, this is a sick fat that we accumulate in obesity and it releases fatty acids, the breakdown of that fat in the cell that attack the liver and are toxic, same as alcohol. They are both very toxic. So the best treatments that we have do one of two things. Number one, you lose weight and this reduces the amount of fat that the liver is offered and improves the liver. Or you change the biology of fat with medications like pyoglitazone that convert your sick fat into a healthier fat. But obesity is the background that leads to NAS. And that's why any successful treatment needs to change that problem. Or you reduce fat with some medications like GLP-1 receptor agonist, most recently tercepatide, or you change the biology of that fat with pyoglitazone, both are diabetes medications. And that's why coming back to the prior question, where most of our people are obese and have diabetes, you need to choose diabetes medications that also treat NASH. So with those high-risk groups in mind, would you share some common diagnostic and prognostic challenges that clinicians face? Yeah. So clinicians, number one homework is to think about the possibility of fatty liver. We're not interested in diagnosing fatty liver, we're interested in using fatty liver as the tip of the iceberg to stratify them for fibrosis. So there are two things to consider. The risk of cardiovascular disease, which is increased, and we can talk about that later. But more importantly, stratify for the risk of developing cirrhosis in these high-risk groups, particularly those with obesity and diabetes. The first test is called FIB4. It's really a diagnostic panel. This diagnostic panel is composed of the age of the patient, plasma, ALT, and AST, and platelets. And platelets come into the picture because if you have portal hypertension or cirrhosis, those will go down. Remember two numbers. Below 1.3, you probably won't have a high risk of advanced liver disease. And again, the other number is 2.67, which I remember by multiplying 1.3 times 2. Above 2.67, you have advanced fibrosis, and the test has very high specificity, so it's not wrong very often, except if you have an advanced age above age 70. Now, with that in mind, you can risk stratify into three groups, low risk below 1.3, high risk above 
And for example, in people with obesity and diabetes, about a third are going to fall in the gray zone between these two values, we call it an indeterminate zone. So what to do next? Well, if transient elastography is a test that your hepatologist does on a daily basis in his clinic, that's an imaging study done with a device called FibroScan that helps quite a bit. But if it's not available, you can order it for the next visit, your hepatologist have it, or you can do a blood test, which the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists wanted to be the ELF test, which has proven to be quite significantly valuable in, in many, many studies. For those who's tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kenneth Cousy about non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So once we identify a high-risk patient, Dr. Cousy, what are the parameters for referring them to an appropriate specialist? That's great. So FIB4, remember below 1.3, it, it's not 100% safe. We do have some people, but it's a minority of patients. Most people will be positive, have a number greater than 1.3. Then you have to do the second test. You do the imaging. If you don't have the imaging, order it. If you cannot, you just order an other blood test. It's called ELF, which has three components that kind of track fibrosis. The numbers to remember are for fiber scan is above eight, you probably have moderate to advanced fibrosis. Above 14, there's a risk of cirrhosis. Now, don't tell them they have cirrhosis tell them, because the test is not perfect. Just tell them that you need more testing. For the ELF, to make it simple, say a number above 9.8 is very worrisome for advanced fibrosis. Now, your liver doctor will have additional tests. For example, there is a magnetic resonant elastography test, which is the gold standard to diagnose fibrosis. There are other commercial tests. And there's always the indication that your hepatologist will do in terms of a liver biopsy. But we, the greatest mission for non-specialists is to get these high-risk patients to be seen by them and further stratified. And just to bring all this together before we close, what kind of impact might early detection and intervention have on long-term outcomes? Oh, very, very important because currently most people are diagnosed very late when they have advanced cirrhosis or decompensated cirrhosis. Little can be done in those settings. But if you identify individuals with moderate or even advanced fibrosis, weight loss by any means works where the lifestyle changes and exercise, weight loss medications like recently approved semaglutide, lidaglutide, or tirsepatide, or bariatric surgery. And their diabetes medications, since many of the people with NASH and fibrosis have diabetes, a very inexpensive and generic drug like pioglitazone has shown in five trials to reduce steatohepatitis and in some cases fibrosis in the majority of patients. And there are many drugs in the pipeline. So we have to develop the habit of doing this. And remember, your patients with NASH also have increased cardiovascular disease. So don't stop the statins. They can be used quite safely. Work on lifestyle changes. Treat their diabetes with medications that treat the type 2 diabetes and NASH, like pioglitazone or GLP-1 receptor agonists, and control other risk factors for cardiovascular disease. We are at the dawn of a new age here, and I think we have to be promoting the change that we want to see in the world. 
Well, with those considerations in mind, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Kenneth Cousy, for joining me to share these top strategies for recognizing non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Dr. Cousy, it was great having you on the program. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. This episode of GI Insights was brought to you by Siemens Healthineers. To access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash GI Insights, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.